Good evening. May I take us to the book of Matthew this evening, chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. I'm continuing on Sunday evenings to preach from passages based on your request. I have two others queued up for the next two Sunday nights, but I'm open to others who may have a favorite passage or maybe a section of Scripture you would like to hear treated from the pulpit. Tonight, we're in Matthew 19. I'm going to begin right away by reading verses 1 through 15 in Matthew chapter 19. Now, when Jesus had finished these sayings, he went away from Galilee and entered the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. And large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. And Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, Therefore, Shall a man leave his father and his mother, and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh? So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. They said to him, Why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce, and to send her away? He said to them, Because... Of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. The disciples said to him, if such is the case of a man with his wife, it is better not to marry. But he said to them, Not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. For there are eunuchs who have been so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this, receive it. Then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people. But Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. The verses I've been asked to cover tonight are from verse 13 through verse 15, that last paragraph in the section. But you now expect that in order for us to properly navigate 13 to 15, you know what we've got to do. I'm going to get to these verses through the context. So, back in verse 3 of chapter 19... Matthew tells us something important about this setting, this scene. It says, And the Pharisees came to him and tested him. The Pharisees 
in this scene were not friends of Jesus who wanted to introduce him and his teaching to their followers. The Pharisees in this scene were not inquiring students who really wanted to know about the truth of marriage and divorce. Everything before Matthew 19 and after, everything in Mark and Luke and John makes it very clear that for the most part, though there were exceptions, for the most part, the Pharisees were opposed to Jesus. And their enmity often took the form of trying to lead Jesus into a debate they thought they would win. Believing they could win, believing they could trap him and expose him to their followers. It never worked. Yet they were persistent in their efforts to draw Jesus into debates and controversies and sensitive subjects, testing him with malicious intent. And that's what's happening in this scene, we are told by Matthew, the writer. They think Jesus will say something they can use to advance their opposition to him, but it falls flat. Jesus said, here is the simple plan of God from the beginning for the marriage relationship. Jesus doesn't factor in to his comments all the different viewpoints that the rabbinical schools may have had. Jesus goes all the way back to God's purpose and law in the beginning that isn't subject to human modification, no matter what the culture says, or in that case, the rabbinical schools. There is male and female. Did you ever think there'd be a time when there'd be a controversy about that? There is male and female. When a man leaves his father and mother and joins himself to a wife, the two become one flesh, and what God has joined together, let not man put asunder. They could not dispute that, nor should anyone today make any effort to dispute it. But they press on, these men, into the matter of divorce, Jesus doesn't get away from the original law of God that has only the one exception. He says, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. Now, observe what follows that statement in verses 10 to 12. Jesus' disciples, those who are present, recognize how strict this is. And Jesus' reply is, it's all right to remain single. And the implication of that is, God's law is God's law. Let the one who is able to receive this, receive it. Now, what follows is what we're going to look at, what I've been requested to deal with in verses 13 through 15. Then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, 
Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. It is very well known that in the time before Christ came, and in the time that Christ was on the earth, in both Greek and Jewish culture, women and children were not treated well. There was an obvious disparity passed on from generation to generation and in the culture. It was a male-dominated culture, and men who were selfish exaggerated and took advantage of that. Now, modernist critics of the Bible often try to blame God, but that assertion won't work when you read the prophets. The law of Moses and the prophets were clear that God expected men to treat women and children fairly with justice, honor, love, cherish them, protect them. That was the responsibility of men. Not to use them and mistreat them, but to honor them and protect them. God made that very clear. The prophets often in speaking God's word, identified the sin of mistreating women and children. In Numbers 32, 17, special provisions were made for widows, the fatherless, the poor. They were not to be oppressed and used. In Zechariah chapter 7, verse 10, Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor. God was clear about such treatment and care for women and children. When evil men exaggerated their domination, when evil men abused or neglected women and children or the poor, God spoke clearly expressing his displeasure. Yet, in Jesus' time, there were men who continued to regard women and children as second-class citizens and who, in some cases, trafficked in women and children. Children forced into slave labor, women taken against their will and used according to the fleshly desires of men. Now, while not every man was guilty of that, for some there was this attitude that became a way of life and became a cultural trend. And in some cases the attitude was that children were just in the way. Some of you may remember, I suspect the older part of the crowd, some of you may remember the attitude that was a part of the character and may have been a part of the man, W.C. Fields. He was an entertainer in the 1920s who was known for his contempt for children and dogs. And he would often say, get away from me, kid. You bother me. That attitude was not uncommon in the time of Christ, though it may not have been verbalized in exactly that way. So children were brought to Jesus 
that he might lay his hands on them and pray. And the reaction was, they rebuked the people. I don't know if it was as harsh as W.C. feels, but what we know is their reaction didn't play well with the Lord. He said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. And then he recognized the innocence of these little children, connecting that to the purity that is associated with kingdom citizenship. So, with all that context in mind, let's hear it one more time, and then I'll make my points. Then children were brought to him, that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven, and he laid his hands on them and went away. What do we need to get from this? Number one, what is obvious just right off of the page when you read it, is the pure and warm regard of Jesus for children. That's my example. And your example. Here's what I want to say about that. This was written by the Holy Spirit through Matthew for two reasons. Admiration and imitation. Certainly, we react to this with admiration. We admire how Jesus responded to children. But our reaction to this narrative needs to go beyond admiration because this was also written for our imitation. Remember what we are? We are followers of Christ. He is our example. So this is about how we ought to regard and think of children. But beyond that, this conveys what our treatment of children ought to be. They are not little irritations who take up our time and get in our way and cost a lot of money. They were made in the image of God. And here is the undeniable truth about every adult in this audience right now. You were once a child. I was once a child. How you were treated as a child is a significant factor in the kind of person you become. We ought to treat children with the warmth and devotion and respect that we observe in Matthew 19, 13 to 15. The devotion and respect that we have for Jesus Christ who exemplifies how we ought to think and how we ought to act toward children. When on the media news feeds, you see pictures of children diseased, injured by war, disfigured, you just want to turn away because it hurts. Pictures are videos of children suffering 
just breaks our hearts. But some of the worst treatment of children never shows up on the modern news feed. Millions of children are abused every day behind walls. The media doesn't penetrate. Many children are pushed out of the way so that dollars can be made. Treated with violence and demeaned are used for vile purposes are ignored or aborted before they have a chance. There are children who have no training in morals and responsibility at all. The parents transport them, feed them, send them to their rooms with their devices, no training in morals, shooed out of the way by adults in our age who may never verbalize the statement of W.C. Fields, but who demonstrate it in their treatment of children. There are children who must go through life with scarred bodies and broken emotions and souls never fed. Jesus' affection for children is our model. It has been said, and this quote is often attributed to Nelson Mandela, and he may have said this, probably did, but long before Nelson Mandela, Jesus exemplified it right here. When a society mistreats children, aborts them, the powerful example of Jesus is ignored. And the quote that you often hear that may be attributed to various historical celebrities really goes back to Matthew 19. There is no clearer indication of a society's real condition than how it treats its children. Jesus' affection, his pure and warm regard for children is our example. Number two, I believe this incident is connected to what has happened in this scene in Matthew 19. I want you to think about that a moment. Before this narrative, Jesus sets the record straight forever about marriage and narrowly limited divorce and remarriage, according to God's law from the beginning. When parents, against the best interest of their children, have affairs, provoke conflict, act immaturely and selfishly, they set aside what God has joined, and the negative impact on children cannot be overstated. I know of cases where a married couple would enter into ways of life completely opposed to what God has said about families and about marriage, and it would become such a battle or a conflict, finally 
as a last resort, they'd go talk to the preacher and it would be way too late for the preacher to give them counsel from Scripture. And in some cases, they would go from the preacher's office to the attorney's office and on the way, one of them would say, Oh, what about the children? So the children become a footnote in the frailties and sins of their parents. I think it is more than just coincidental that in the same text where Jesus speaks of divorce, he gives us this example of how precious children are. And then what is there after this narrative? I've not read it, but you know, you can see it on the page, the rich young ruler about a man who was possessed by his possessions. So there are two things that are bookends here. Two things in the context which can destroy the lives of children. Unscriptural divorce and the love of money. So listen to this. Children are a heritage from the Lord. Offspring a reward from Him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. Psalms 127 verses 3 through 5. Then Jesus says something about kingdom citizens. When Jesus speaks of the purity and innocence of little children, that's a portrayal of what we should be like as citizens of the kingdom. Jesus viewed innocent children as occupying the humility believers are to have. Have you ever noticed little children not holding grudges? Siblings who, in their immaturity, get into a battle about a toy. And you look at that conflict and think, when will that end? And you turn around and do something and look around and they're playing again. Little children not holding grudges, reconciling quickly. Not over two decades to clear up a conflict, reconciling quickly, trusting with meekness and warmth. The kingdom is composed of people who have embraced the humility and innocence of little children and yet need to grow deeper in their knowledge and their maturity. In another place, Jesus said, except you be converted and become as little children you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. You know where that is? Well, that's in the previous chapter. In Matthew 18 and verse 3. So here we are in Matthew 19. Then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said... Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. 
and he laid his hands on them and went away. Now, one more thing I want to add. There was never anyone on earth as busy as Jesus. He had a mission from heaven given by the Father. His calendar was full. He was busy. But he had time for children. He didn't push them out of the way. They were not a burden to him. They cannot be a burden to us. Let the children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Let's be standing as we sing.